Ian Roman, welcome guys. Um, I'm I'm excited about this. I'm a little apprehensive. Um, I think uh, we have a lot to talk about, and uh, at times it may get a little emotional. And I appreciate you guys doing this because I know when we had talked in the past, there was some hesitation in publicly talking about our story. But as you guys know, the more that I got into this and with the projects that we're doing right now, I thought it was important that we do this. So um, I think the goal is just for us to talk. I mean, keep it pretty loose and uh, talk about what happened to us, how we've kind of persevered, you know, um, and maybe we can help people along the way. That's kind of the objective here. So I guess I guess what I'd like to do first, guys, if you're okay with this, is just um, how do you guys define living undeterred? I mean, what, what's what's when I say that phrase, what goes through your mind? What does living undeterred mean to you guys? Well, can I ask you what it means to you? <laughs> and I'll sort of flip the definition. You're like a politician now. You're turning the <laughs> question back on the person who asked. Go ahead. Sure. So you're asking me? Yeah. Um, I think living undeterred is a is a mindset that you, when you go through life, instead of looking at um, obstacles or looking at unfortunate events that happened, uh, as 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 life defining moments in a negative way, um, that you find some way to make them life defining, life defining, but in a positive way. Mm -hmm. That's how I would define it. So. I'll go back to you. <laughs> so, what's your thoughts on that? Just staying positive, keep keep going, because most of the time, if you have something big and tragic that happens, you sort of have to keep going. Um, not that it's bad in any way, but there's not a right answer, but. <laughs> I was gonna say kind of like more how like uh, like bad things will happen to everyone, but mm -hmm. you just gotta try to stay positive. So that's kind of what I think about. Now you being a uh, a golfer, Ian, at South Dakota, um, I know Coach Vining would say if you're on the first tee and you snap hook it out of bounds, which you've never done, but I have. <laughs> um, you got four hours of this crap ahead of you. You know, it's like, man, how do I stay positive? So when you're on the golf course, how, how do you take that living undeterred kind of mindset? How do you how do you do that as a competitive golfer? Uh, I guess just try to enjoy the moment while you're out there. And when you're kind of playing and you're kind of struggling, just say that you have a lot of holes left, and you can kind of always bounce back if you have any holes left. So you always have a lot of room to try to improve. Can I ask you a question? Man, you're a, you're the educator today. Go ahead. Well, how do you live undeterred as a father? Well, you know, you guys may not be aware of this, but I was your age once. Um, you've never been my age, so it's hard for you to understand what it's like to be an adult. Back when um, the wheel was made. Back in the Civil War, as you guys always say, when fire was invented. No, um, you know, I guess it just comes as you get older, you kind of get a little bit more bulletproof because you... As the old, older you get, the, the higher the probability that bad stuff's going to happen. Um, when you're younger, you have, um, you know, you bury pets and grandparents. Uh, as you get older, you start going to more funerals and less weddings. And so at 54 years old, 
I'm not saying that there's nothing that can happen that I couldn't handle, but I, I really do believe that. There, there really is nothing that I can't handle after what I've been through. Um, it's kind of hard to have a bad day when you, when you lose a child. Um, and uh, when things do happen to me that, that are uncomfortable or I don't like, I keep going back to that moment on October 4th, 2016, when we got the call that Seth had died. And um, I compare it to that pain I had. And, you know, I, it's hard for me to say that I could ever have anything worse. I honestly can think of a few things that, that would add to that suffering and agony, but I don't know if anything could ever be worse than that day. So living undeterred to me is taking the experiences you've had in life and building on those to make you a stronger person. And, um, you know, everybody's going through stuff. I mean, you know, we're at a time of year right now where people are struggling with depression and anxiety and mental health. And, you know, Ian, you have a friend that I talk about in the book. Um, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you've learned from Sam? His name's Sam Gary and, um, he's what, 19? I think he goes to Bates College in the, in the East Coast area. And I met Sam through the AJGA, but, you know, Ian, why don't you um, talk a little bit about what your experiences have been with, you know, mental health issues and things like that with, with you know, kids your age and stuff, young young men, young adults. But, you know, what what are some of the issues you guys have, and how do, how does someone like Sam Gary help you become a little more undeterred? Well, I know that Sam kind of like came up publicly, which is something that a lot of people don't really do. Like a lot of people like just keep it in. So I kind of praise Sam for that that he kind of came out and kind of like told his story and I bet that probably changed a lot of people because they can actually like get more confidence to try to like talk to people try to like open up more do you think Sam's taken a risk at, at, at throwing this issue out publicly I mean is he putting himself in a position where this could by becoming vulnerable could actually backfire do you think there's a chance for that I mean possibly yeah but I think yeah. having like a third perspective to this um it could, but I think the way that he's looking at it is the chances of him helping people are greater than the chances of him, or the chances of his own risk. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that he's willing to put uh, himself at risk to help others is honorable. Yeah, it's for me, it's been inspiring. And here is, you know, someone that I'm my age, I'm looking up to even what you guys are doing. I tell people all the time that I'm, I learn more from you guys than I learn from people my own age. Uh, and, and I mean that not in, not necessarily in a disparaging manner, but from a position that you guys are showing tremendous resiliency because you don't have the scar tissue. You don't have the, you know, I've been through so many battles that I, you kind of develop a little scar tissue. You guys are so young, you, you haven't had a lot of those yet. But, you know, when, when Seth died, uh, your older brother, uh, our oldest son, on October 4th, 2016, from a heroin overdose, um, it, you know, it kind of, it, it, it opens a lot of doors. And I talk about in the book about the two roads concept that, you know, when, it, when something happens, you, you kind of have two roads to go down. And we were confronted with that with Seth. Um, and for those people that know our story um, and have been supportive, uh, our oldest son, your oldest brother died October 4th, 2016 on the day of Ian's golf districts qualifying uh, from a heroin overdose. Um, and people wonder sometimes why um, we 
don't get more emotional when we talk about it. But, you know, at some point you've cried so much, you know, that you, I'm not going to say you don't have any more tears left, but, but to get to where I was, that pit of despair on that day, I, I'll never get back to that day. And it does get better. I mean, I know the story is that time goes on, pain heals. But um, I guess I'm curious how, you know, I know how I cope with this whole thing. You know, I, I wrote a book, I do a blog, a podcast, I'm, I'm actively, you know, plunging into the world of addiction and substance abuse. But how are you guys coping with this as a, you were 13 when Seth died and you were 15? I mean, you know, you guys probably are worried more about what's for lunch than anything else. So what's your coping mechanisms, guys? You want to go? Yeah. So basically for me, it was just a lot of golf. Like, I would just go out there on the course just by myself for about four to five hours and just practice and play. And just when I was out there, I was kind of just by myself. So I kind of had time just to like think and uh, kind of just reflect on a lot of things. So definitely golfing was probably the biggest thing because I was just by myself out on the course. So you open up a lot of your friends. Um, are you are you one friends, that keeps you? You two are like most people watching this that have children. You two are so different. I mean, look at the way you dressed. I let you guys pick what you want to wear today, and you wear golf, and you wearing something that looks like you know Abercrombie and Fitch, you know. Um, but the reality is, you guys are different kids, and. Um, you know, and Seth was completely different as well. So, you know, do you go to your friends, Ian, or do you hold everything in? You're you're a lot more outgoing vocally, and you're a little more reserved. Do you struggle with opening up to your friends, Ian, and being vulnerable? Uh, not really. I've talked to a couple of them so far, but only just probably just a couple. Mm-hmm. How deep do you guys get? Uh, not very deep, but deep enough where it's kind of still a little bit emotional. Mm-hmm. I know your answer. <laughs> You're 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 like me. You carry your emotions on a sleeve. Um, how, what's your coping mechanisms, Roman? Um, I mean, I have a few, and it's better to have more than none. Um, one of my biggest ones is music, uh, whether that's through listening, playing, creating, like writing music, um, singing, show choir. Uh, I play the piano, uh, the piano, the ukulele, and the guitar, the electric and the acoustic, but. I, I don't know, something about music really hits me, and since the beginning of quarantine, or what, March 13th, I think was when our first day out of school, and then, like, haven't gone back full-time yet, um, something with music really hit me, um, where that, like, 70s, 80s rock, uh, you know, hippies, just peace, love, all that stuff, even though sometimes they talk about demons and devils. <laughs> but I don't know, something about that just really hit me, and listening to it really calms me down and just makes me think. Rumor has it that you may play, uh, at the end of this podcast, Ian may play a song, or Ian. Oh, my mom and dad had four boys, and they called me Steve, Scott, and Dan all the time, so um, I'll call you Roman and you Ian. Rumor has it that you may play us. We may be honored to hear your golden voice and singing um, a song you wrote for Seth that I, I talk about in the book. And the lyrics are actually in the book uh, mm -hmm. for those that are interested. But are you okay doing that? Yeah. You want me to sing back up? Oh. Why do you say no? <laughs> I, you don't want to hear me sing. Um, so going back to the coping mechanisms things, um, I guess we talk about addictions a lot in the book and, and kind of, you know, Seth's death 
propelled me into a realm of something that, quite honestly, I wasn't too interested in. That was addiction, substance abuse, mental health, things like that. But when you kind of are given this, for lack of a better word, gift or an opportunity, uh, I don't want to waste it. I don't want I don't want Seth's deck to be for nothing. Sort so, of take it and run with it. Yeah. So I've um, decided that for me it was important to understand addiction and substance abuse. So you know. Roman, you and I, and you did this too, right? We did uh, presentations at the school mm -hmm. in Prairie. I remember asking, I think, what grade What grade did we do? The we did 7th, 8th, and ninth. Okay, and we talked about Seth's death and stuff like that. And I remember I would throw out to the, so 7th, 8th, and ninth. so these are... Uh, I think I think it was all just ninth graders, though. Freshmen in high school. Yeah, it was. And um, kind of for fun, I said, you know, uh, name some addictions. And what happened, Roman? Everyone named drugs, alcohol, um, just sort of the normal stuff that are negative. Right. Just like the negative things, yeah. Yeah, which my point was is that there are positive addictions, right? Mm -hmm. What are some positive addictions? Sports. Yeah. That's true. Uh, being addicted to music. Yeah. What being else? Being addicted to fitness, health, exercise, yeah. your body. Yeah. What else? Eating healthy. Yeah. How was your pizza last night? <laughs> you shouldn't laugh, Ian. You have what uh, Chick Fil A for four times a day. Oh, hey, I ate a smoothie right after that. So, um, so again, talking about addictions. Um, when I did that exercise, it was the first time I did it. My epiphany moment was: Wow, all these kids think of as addiction as a negative term, and the reality is, addiction isn't a negative word. It, it's presented in the media as negative because it's followed up with substance abuse, alcoholism, drug abuse, mm -hmm. opioid overdoses, all that stuff. The reality is there are, there are, there are many, many positive addictions. Um, I, I look at uh, telling the truth. It's a positive addiction, right? Health is a positive addiction. Your mind, reading is a positive addiction. Conversation is a positive addiction. Um, being willing to listen to someone else's point of view without getting mad and we just came through a political election time frame, which, you know, that's going to be coming another three years down the road. Lucky us, right? And you see all the people arguing and just making stupid comments on social media. And I just, I, I feel sorry for these people because we as a society are, are setting ourselves back if we have competing ideas that are non-negotiable and that we're not willing to budge but we're trying to advance as a society and it's, it's, it's extremely difficult to do. And so I'm trying to teach you guys as, as your dad is that when you're talking to someone about uh, one politician that you like and you don't like the other one, you know, be compassionate. You know, you can win arguments by not winning the argument. In other words, by suggesting that the person uh, maybe look at this from a different perspective. Uh, and, and, and really, are you winning an argument when you argue with somebody and you're making a point? No, you both walk away dumber than you were when you first started mm -hmm. or angrier. And that's not winning an argument. Um, so, I don't know. I'm just curious when, when you guys look at addiction, you know, uh, are you guys getting a little bit better at looking at the positive addictions or do you guys still get hung up on, on the negative addictions? Um, I think that I do see that there are positive connotations for it, but it's just that it's easier to see that there are a lot more people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol than who are addicted to any positive connotation of 
being addicted. Um, whether that's eating healthy, staying fit, all that stuff. Let's 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 uh, change the topic. Let's talk about your brother. Sorry. Um, what do you guys remember about your brother? You remember first? Sure. Um, well, I would have been 13 when he died, and then he wasn't in our life for about two years. Cause he many? wasn't in our life. Yeah, yeah. For about two years. So I would have last seen him maybe when I was 11, um, or at least talked to him when I was 11. Um, not much um, I think I was a little bit closer than Ian just because him and Seth were more aggressive towards each other uh, and then normally how it went was Seth would pick on Ian because Ian would pick on me uh, so me and Seth were were pretty good to each other um, I knew that he was good at basketball. <laughs> he was good Very at a lot good. of things. Good at a lot of sports. Um, yeah. If you went anything with him on a 1v1 um, and you won, he would make sure that next time you did it, he would win. <laughs> no matter what that was. I was going to say, just no matter what we did, he was always very competitive, just between me and him. Like, we'd just play, like, Mario Kart or just something stupid, and he would just still be very competitive. Or we'd just be playing basketball or be playing some sort of Xbox game or just something, and he'd be very competitive. You guys were everything. closer in age, so um, the tension was stronger. Yeah, Whereas you were a little saying, brother, yeah. and he was like a little pet. I think you we know? were 11 years apart. Yeah. Um, you know, I have so many memories about Seth, and that's... One of the reasons why I wrote the book was to continue his legacy because he obviously can't do that anymore. And as time goes on and there's, you know, less memories of him around, the memories that people that didn't know him will be more of the addiction issues, this, the, 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 um, the issues he had with um, his, his, some of the criminal things that he had got involved with because of his addiction issues and Unfortunately, you know, he would be looked at as a, you know, as a lost soul. And, and you know, he, was, he wasn't that. He was, a, he was a great kid. He was just really no different than you guys. He could easily just be sitting here with us today, um, but he's not. And so, well, he is in a way. I mean, for us, we've made sure that he, and I, I know there's a lot of people probably watching this that have lost loved ones and they probably have a different angle or viewpoint, but I have to tell myself that, um, He's only died in a material sense, you know. And, and again, I'm not a I'm not a religious person, so it's like to me, I don't I don't view this as he's up in the heavens or something. I just kind of view that he's he's inside of me, and he's you know my motivation for wanting to do a lot of things uh, comes internally. Uh, something other that you taught me when I was a little kid was that most people have some sort of fire yeah. that keeps them going, and I think that's all three of us have sat there. Mm -hmm. um, but not in, not in an otherworldly sense. Like I, I don't. No, yeah. I don't look at it as for me. It's not like, and and I know this may come out the wrong way. And quite honestly, I don't really care how it comes out because this is how I deal with it. To me, it's not an otherworldly experience. I, I wrote about this in a blog called "Things Happen for a Reason," and I don't, I don't 
the only reason Seth died is because he put heroin in his arm. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any other reason. I'm not going to fabricate one or make one up that he's in a better place and all that. He, he's just not here with me now. Um, I, I may never see him again. I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the afterlife to, 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 to confirm that when I die, I'm going to meet him. I just, I'd like to believe that, but I just don't, for me, uh, I don't need that to drive me. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I see him right now. I don't have to die to see him. So, um, and again, that probably counters to what a lot of people that are very religious will think that there's some type of a floating away from your mind and your soul goes somewhere and you meet up with relatives and pets and things. And, and that's poetic, I guess, but it's not what drives me. Um, and um, uh, I talk about that quite a bit in some of my recent blogs I'm going to be writing. Um, you know, I guess what I'm finding out, guys, as we talk about Seth and all this, is that there, there isn't a right way. There's only your way. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there is a wrong way. Touche, as, as, as I, I hear. Um, explain. You're talking about getting, not getting over, but dealing with traumatic events. We don't, we don't get over, say. right? No. Yeah, we never get over. You don't we don't want to get over. You can deal with them, but you can't yeah. get over them. We don't want to get over Seth. Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about that, right? Yeah. Well, looking at a sort of what we were talking about earlier, if you were to use drugs and alcohol to fill that void, then that would definitely be more of a negative way to use it. Mm -hmm. um, but everyone has their own way to go about it. Um, but again, using drugs and alcohol or abuse or things along the lines of that um, would be, again, more of a negative way to look at it. Ian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're a man of few words, but when you do speak, mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense. So what do you think? I mean, I disagree with what he said, so. I always agree with Roman. Yeah. Smarter than all of us combined. Um, it's true. You guys think addiction is a disease, or do you think it's a choice, or do you think it's big topic? Do you think it's a combination of both? Because I delve into this heavily, and you guys kind of know where I stand. But before I publicly affirm my position on this, which does it's not linear. In other words, it it changes. Mm. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think the idea of being addicted to something is something you're just cursed when you're born? And you kind of deal with it your whole life? Or do you think that, that hey, you know, Seth had a choice to put heroin in his arm. And he chose, at that moment in time, he chose, he thought that was a, a viable decision to attain whatever he was trying to attain. Or get away from whatever he was trying to get, get away from. What do you guys think about that? Do, do you think it's a disease? Or do you think it's a choice? Addiction and substance abuse, I guess. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go? Or I, can. I was going to say, it's kind of more like a choice, in my opinion. Because you just have, like, the choice to do it or not. It's kind of just... I mean, that's a pretty stupid analogy, but like driving a car, I guess, like you have a choice to drive it or not, but that's, I mean, I know that's a good analogy, but mm -hmm. you just have like a choice to do it, mm -hmm. but I mean, it just kind of depends on the situation, like, just like, I don't like know what it feels like to kind of have some of the other addictions, so I don't know if I have really like a say, I guess it kind of just depends on the situation. If you're playing golf in a tournament and you have a, a birdie putt from five feet and you walk off with a bogey. You have a choice to what? 
get upset. You have a choice to let it bother you the rest of the day. Yeah. You have a choice to go to the tee all mad and then do what? Not look at the bounce. I'm not picking on you. I'm just talking. Anybody who's played sports, it, there's a lot of parallels. And I, down the road, I have a podcast where I'm going to have a good friend of mine who's a very well-known sports person. And it's actually his, his kids play at Iowa right now. But he's a good friend of mine. We're going to talk about how sports kind of parallels life. Um, and it really does. Um, but um, so, Roman, disease or choice? What do you think about addiction and substance abuse? Ian says more... Probably people have more of a choice, but again, you guys aren't doctors, so I, I don't un expect you guys to fully understand the neuroscience and all that, the biology behind it, but mm -hmm. what do you think, Roman? Well, I don't know. And I'm not saying that as a, I wasn't paying attention, I'm saying that as I, I think it's more of a mix of the two, because it's sort of like the nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with that. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's a mix of the both, or a mix of the two. Um, but you can't. You can't do that. You have to pick one. Who says? <laughs> Me. No, I, I know what you're saying. But unfortunately, I think people don't look at it that way. Because mm -hmm. when I do get into conversations, I don't call them arguments because I'm just a dad. I have no medical background in any of this stuff. I'm getting more into it. Mm -hmm. And I just go off my life experiences. And I go off my own choices that I gave up or not gave up. I made a choice to quit drinking on uh, December, I think it was, I don't know. I don't keep score anymore. I just gave up drinking alcohol. decided I didn't need it in my life. Um, and I don't keep score anymore. I know basically when I quit. But um, but you, you choose pretty much your attitude. And I know Victor Frankl writes about this in Man's Search for Meaning, which is a, to me, it was a life-altering book I read after Seth had died. And I was actually down in Texas. You had a golf tournament, and I was at the pool reading it. And it's Man's Search for Meaning by Victor Frankl, and he was a, a Holocaust survivor. He was at one of the uh, concentration camps during World War II. And he writes about, you know, I can't choose what my guards are going to do to me. I can't choose what I'm going to have for lunch. I can't choose if I even live today. But I can choose my attitude at the moment I'm in. And, man, that just resonated with me. And I thought, you know, I can't, I can't choose to have Seth back. The pain that I have from his death was unavoidable. But the length and the intensity of my suffering was a choice. And I, I, I live my life that way now. So I don't know what the answer is, guys. I guess I don't think you, you and I are going to solve this issue on disease versus choice. But I think it's too easy to say it's a disease. I think that's the... The default option for most people. I'm powerless. I can't. I can't do anything about this. You know, Seth died. I, I can't deal with the, the trauma of his death. And I'm like, you just aren't finding the right outlets. You know. And for me, it was writing a book. That that was the life-defining moment for me. The greatest single thing I've ever done in my life, other than you know, create children. Um, but was create a book. And and that that means Seth's legacy now is in in writing. And now. 20 years down the road, if I'm gone, you guys have moved on and Seth gets further away from, you know, each generation, uh, people can pick up that book and they can read about his high school days and how he had the game winning shot against City High when he was a, a, a freshman, uh, which by the way, I haven't seen the tape of that yet. I just am not sure. I don't know. Um, you guys have a hard time looking at pictures of Seth? 
I don't know. It's sort of in my head. I have a different picture of Seth than what the picture really looks like. Um, more of it's me imagining what he would look like now. I know. I think about that too. Um, it's it's nice to look at pictures of him though. I don't get really emotional about this stuff anymore and I think that's because it hit me at such a young age um I don't know I'm gonna say you kind of just like matured with it yeah I know it's um every time I write I think to myself what's in my head I'm trying to put on paper and then think to myself is this gonna offend an alcoholic or is this going to offend someone that's depressed and you know I think to myself you know I take a big risk being vulnerable because I also it becomes it becomes it chips away at me too every time I tell the story a little bit more but then I thought to myself every time I lose a piece of me uh, I'm gaining something new you know it's, a, it's that idea that you know I, I, I cry my heart out but I, I gain something. I gain perspective. I gain knowledge. I, I just don't believe in the concept of of, of a of a loss. Mm-hmm. I lost. We lost someone we care about. But I gained something through his death. I don't know what that sounds like when people hear that because I guess most people want to be just kind of hung up on the misery of of losing somebody and they just can't find a way to move on. And I think through meditation for me, which has been an awesome uh, thing, I stumbled into after he died. To just literally understand that there really is no past. I mean, we only have the moment. We only have today. And I try to teach that in, on the golf course for you, Ian. Mm-hmm. You know, you start the first hole and you get a double bogey and you go to the second hole. Well, you've got 17 holes left, dude. This double bogey can turn into five double bogeys if you're not mm-hmm. careful. Or it could turn into two birdies. And life's the same way. I mean, you know, the day Seth died, Ian... You double bogeyed your last hole last at two. districts last two. in Prairie Miss State for the first time in school history. They missed state all because of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, yeah. But you felt that way, right? Yeah. You came home that day, and I remember sitting on the couch, and you're all teary-eyed. And I thought to myself, and told told Prudence, I said, uh, I got much worse news, Ian, than you double bogey in some stupid hole during some tournament that really doesn't mean that much to all of us at this moment. You know, for you, it was imperative that you make that par, but you didn't. And mm-hmm. so, um, so where, where are you guys going to go with this? Uh, I know, I know for me, I, I will till my last breath, I will continue this story. I, I don't have any desire to stop. I don't, I made a I made a mistake in a way that I didn't have an end game when I started going down this road. When I started the book, I started the blogs, the podcast, the all the the people I'm meeting. I don't, I don't have an end game, and I I guess in a way that can become an addiction itself. I, I'm kind of addicted to what happened, and I'm trying to make sure it's a positive addiction, not negative. But where do you guys see yourself taking this? And and if you don't, that's fine. You, you guys may want to sometimes put this literally in a box and move on with your life. And that's, that's your choice. But how do you guys see you guys continuing this as you guys get older? Uh, I was going to say just, well, I'm just thinking about through college right now. Just try to just get through college and 
uh, just keep trying to tell my story because college is a very like big year for a lot of kids. So if I can kind of just like keep telling our story while I'm up there, like, that's kind of like my main goal. Just try to just tell people. You think your story has helped your friends? I think so. Yeah. Do your friends reach out to you? Uh, not recently, but I did kind of the start of our story. How about you? What's what? What are your thoughts? Are you gonna are you gonna write a book someday, Roman? You seem to me like somebody that could easily write a book. Maybe or write a song. Like yeah. Which by the way, before we end today, I want to see if you're willing to play that. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you brought it out, but no, you but could, it's fine. It's just in the other room. This is uh, unedited today, so we don't have any plan other than just continuing this talk. And I don't really know how long we've been talking. So, um, so. Um, Nate Renner here just gave me a, a signal. So, um, so are you guys angry? And if so, what are you angry at? Good question. <laughs> of course it is. Do you have an answer? Because I'll just see what you're gonna say. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Um, I guess. <clears throat> what would be a lighter word than angry? You tell me. <laughs> I don't know, maybe a step below angry, and I'm not mad at Seth, or like, you, or my, or mom, or you, or myself, I'm mad, or I'm not even mad, I'm just, I guess more confused That's exactly, I had that word in my head. About the situation. Right. Um, I don't like being mad at people, um, I like understanding why I would be mad at someone or at the situation. Right. Um, and Roman, that's a great way to live life because you're going to go through life and somebody will fender bender you or someone will cut in line at Target or somebody will will do something. And instead of getting mad at the person, mm-hmm. just get upset with the situation. I've, I've kind of thought that way as I run the company at Premier Investments is in employees and or even clients, somebody made a mistake or something. Instead of getting mad at somebody, you got mad more at the situation. But well, Ian, what's human? So yeah. So Ian, how about you? I'd kind of agree with what he said. I wouldn't be mad, but kind of just a little bit. Are you angry? Are you angry at Seth? Right more now, kind but... of towards like disappointed at first, just yeah. because of like what happened, uh, but not really too like angry. I guess in a sense, kind of a little bit less than that, because I mean. He's still my brother and still part of my family, so I don't think I could really be angry at him forever. I think something that you told me a while ago, which is a good way to put it, uh, when if I got to see him again, uh, I would slap him first and then I would hug him. I think the way I said it, uh, I would punch him, and then I regretted saying that because I was on a podcast being interviewed. A good friend of mine, Daniel Allison, runs a podcast called The Average Dude. Actually, Daniel's one of my guests coming up here in a couple weeks. Um, and he asked me that same question, and I, I just knee-jerk reactioned. I said, you know, the first thing i do is I'd punch him in the face. And then when I re-listened to him, I thought, that sounds pretty bad, Dad. <laughs> so, no, I would not punch Seth in the face. I mean, I would just, you know. But, um, so you're not angry. You're angry at uh, what happened more than you are anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys see the... The pull that addictions have. Do you see the the allure that someone who's addicted or an alcoholic has that that pulls them at it? Um, 
I don't think I do just because I'm not addicted to that sort of stuff. Let me take your phone for two days. That's fine. And then you'll understand what being addicted is. Because if I took your phones away, you guys would be a train wreck. Take your music. No music for two days. So I'm addicted. We're all addicted. And I think it's just kidding ourselves to say we're not. But this right here is the biggest addiction you guys have. And... You know, I used to say um, when when Seth was younger and we he we got in trouble, I'd say, "Okay, you choose: no car for a week or no phone." He was like, "Take my car. <laughs> I can't not have my phone." You know, and so you guys are addicted, and and there's nothing wrong with addiction. I think as a society, we just again, as we said earlier, we label it. But going back to to anger, how about I go into fear? What do you guys fear right now, or, or do you have? Um, do you think Seth lacked the fear of certain things? What do you guys fear? Hmm. Are you worried about getting addicted? Are you worried about having a beer at a party, Ian, and feeling like you're, you will never be able to stop? Because you and I talked about the easiest way to quit something is to what? Never start. Right. Right. Do you, do you worry about that? I mean, not really, just because of like, our past and stuff, and I feel like I'm being pretty strong about it. Why don't you drink? A lot of your friends in college drink alcohol. You don't, at least regularly. I know you've you confided in me that you've had a social beverage a few times, and that's fine. Uh, I I was that. known in high school to. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, so why don't why don't you drink like every other college kid? Uh, well, first I, I don't really just find the enjoyment personally. Um, I mean, I'd rather just go hang out with like some friends at like our mm-hmm. place and just hang out. Not really. I just don't want to find like the, like, um, uh, I don't Enjoy know the word. from it. Kind of that, but like, um, like what you get out of it, I guess. I don't know how to say it, but like, uh, something like that. The effect. Yeah. yeah the high, like, I guess. Yeah. The I drunk just, gives you I don't you really buzz. find it pers- like, personally good for me, or just, I don't find it like fun for myself, I guess. Deno vaping is big right now, and I think mm-hmm. your school in Cedar Rapids here, a teacher said something like 100 vapes in one day were confiscated. You know, I was in high school, there wasn't vaping. It was just pot and alcohol. That was it. Um, and those two are still around, but now you sprinkle in vaping and some other, you know, I, be honest with you, I, I had heard of heroin before Seth died, but I'd never heard of fentanyl. I, I really didn't even know what an opioid was. You know, now there's lots of people that are addicted to these things. I bet a lot of people didn't hear about it before our story, too. Right. And then, like, people have knee surgery or back surgery, and then they take a painkiller and called an opioid and they get addicted to it and then they can't quit. So, um, so do you guys have any fears right now in, in regards to this stuff? I mean, we talked about what you're angry about, but what, what do you, what are you fearful? And the reason I ask this is because Seth didn't have any fear that I could find. Mm-hmm. He wasn't feared. He wasn't afraid of us. He wasn't afraid of his teachers. He wasn't afraid of the police. He wasn't afraid of, of death in a way. He had to have known the dance he was making with heroin that, a potential outcome was death. I mean, everyone knows that. But there was something there that he kind of said, well, not me. It'll be somebody else. And and so going back to fear, you know, one of the things I write about in the book is the fact that I, just, I didn't think Seth had a lot of fear. And it could have been just he, he developed that over time mm-hmm. with the lifestyle he was leading. But do you guys have, have fears on certain things right now? I don't know. I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm fearful of. Um, 
Being addicted? Yeah. I... I know that I have addicted person. I know I have an addicted per an an addictive, addictive, addictive <laughs> personality. Right. Um, but it's sort of like that uh, choice versus disease that we were talking about earlier. Uh, I think it's a mix of the two. So if I did get addicted, it, I could stop, but it would just take perseverance and a long time to stop. But one of the things that you've taught me through what you've told Ian was the best way to quit something is to never start it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I don't know. I don't really think I'm too fearful of anything right now. I mean, I'm still pretty young, so I haven't really experienced a lot. Do you think but it's things? important to... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys know what I'm afraid of. Clowns, spiders. Spider? Spiders and propane. Spiders and <laughs> clowns, and, and the spider clown concept is the most grotesque creature I can imagine. I know you guys like to joke and send me pictures off the internet of spider clowns, and um, if there is a hell, that's what would be in hell. It would be a spider clown for me. An eight-foot spider clown would be the end of my life. But anyway, um, so where 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 do we where, where does um where does this take us? Where does this journey this Odyssey, this quest run. I mean, I know where it takes me. It takes me in a. Takes me to keep learning. That's really all I want to do the rest of my life is keep learning about why people make certain decisions. And in my business, there's a thing called behavioral finance, and so we learned about why people make decisions with their money. And for me, it's kind of like I'm still interested in that, but I, I want to add in the behavioral aspects with addiction and substance abuse. So, how about you guys? What, what things are you guys thinking about doing? Um, or how does this continue for you guys? I mean, I was just going to say, kind of just go throughout college. I'll just keep telling our story. And since, like, college is a very, like, it's a big turning point in your life, mm -hmm. I kind of feel like that kind of age get or age group is kind of good to talk to, kind of tell our story about them and see kind of, they can kind of see, like, the consequences or something of that. Where does mental health come into play? Um, you know, one thing I look about with Seth is he, he had ADD. And I talk again a lot about this in the book. Um, and I have ADD. And I'm trying to be very calm today because for me it's, you know, I, I, as you guys know, I, I, I have high-level ADD, but my meditation that I do every morning, I did a 20-minute session this morning. Normally it's 10 is to kind of get me to prepare for this so I could be a lot more calm. But Seth was diagnosed with ADD, and he was given Adderall at 15 years old. It was the beginning of the end. Um, if I have a regret that I have to take to my grave is that I didn't learn Adderall and really what it was. I just trusted the doctors and the medical profession too much. And um, this isn't an indictment on that profession. It's more of an indictment on my willingness to just accept a verdict. And um, I should have just stepped in and said, nah, Seth, you're not taking Adderall. Um, we'll find some other way to deal with this stuff that you have going on. And, and ADD isn't a curse. ADD is a freaking superpower, guys. I tell you that all the time. I feel lucky to have ADD. I write about in the book. I, my dad told me that it was a superpower, and I kind of believed it. Um, you know, again, the whole concept of prescribing medicine for issues people have, um, is a big issue in our country because we just want to numb people's pain. And so, 
you know, we talk about about addiction and ADD and stuff. Um, I'm not sure necessarily where I was going with that. Again, this is a full example of my ADD's loss of thought. But um, no, I write about that in the book quite a bit. So back to mental health, I guess is what I was talking about. Uh, what advice could you guys give to your peer group right now, or even to parents, about what you guys are going through as a generation? Um, that you know, I, I'm, I'm on one side of the fence. I was your age, so I can relate to the thoughts you're having, but you guys have never been my age, so you can't relate to mine. Tell me right now kind of how the, the generation is, the society is for you guys. Where, where's the pressure coming from to make you want to go get drunk or smoke pot or steal something from somebody? What's out there that makes you guys want to do that? Has social media been a problem for you guys? Um, n no. I wouldn't say so. It's different from in high school than in college, I'm guessing. Um, but I don't know. They're, it's easy to see a lot of people who self-diagnose themselves with mm. a lot of issues. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure what the reason is for. Some of them are obviously fake for attention, and then others are shouldn't self-diagnose. They should go and see help. Um, because all you're doing there is just saying you have a problem but not doing anything about it. Um, I, I would add, Roman, that, and I'm happy you went down this road because suicide is such a big problem right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was 150,000, uh, I don't remember the exact number, but between alcohol, over, alcohol deaths, overdoses, and suicide, it was like 150,000 people. Um, that's just too many and and a lot of it's just the lack of skills developed as children to deal with bad stuff that, mm -hmm. that's part of life well, life is trauma I mean we're a hurling ball of mass flying through the universe spinning and stuff we don't feel it because everything keeps us you know gravity and all that keeps us together but earth is chaotic life is chaotic and the expectation is that it isn't and then we have something happen and we crumble and it's like I guess um, where I would like to end this with you guys I'm not sure if you I gave you a chance to answer what you were talking about. Did you want to add anything in on that? No. Okay. Um, what I would just like to add with you guys is that um, expectations are a lot of why people have problems. And social media for your generation, to me, is like a death nail to a lot of kids. Because they, on Facebook they see people traveling and vacations and all you see is all the great things people are doing. And I post things sometimes and it's the opposite. I post about my child who died and I post about other things that happened in my life. And I don't want to be the, the guy that's always talking about the downer stuff in life, but I'm trying to take this and say, hey, really good things have come out of it. So be careful when you're idolizing superheroes and people that you look up to, athletes and actors and people like that. You know, They all have stuff behind the scenes that you're not seeing like all of us do. Mm -hmm. And nobody on Facebook is living the life that they're presenting. It just doesn't exist. It's a, it's a fabrication. Um, and I think a lot of kids today at your age, Ian, see a friend of yours at, you know, getting awards and winning tournaments and doing great. And you see you feel this imposter syndrome in a way like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not worthy. My dad and mom are not going to look up to me. I told you guys, you, the only way you would let me down is how. And I told you this your whole life. How? Don't try. Yeah, not try. Effort. That, that is it. It's your effort. If you quit 
if you on the golf course and something goes wrong and you quit, I don't care what you shoot. I care the fact that you quit. When you wrestled Roman, you were a good wrestler and you had times and matches where you got frustrated and didn't really quit, but you kind of did. Then you had matches where you found this thing and something happened. Well, that's all I ask for you guys to do through life is to use what we've talked about today and, and uh, people watching this right now. Parents can say, hey, um, man, I'd love to be able to sit down with my kids and have a talk like Jeff's having with his kids. Well, you can. That's what I'm trying to tell parents. You, you can't have these conversations, but it's not going to come from the kids. It's going to come from you. And you don't want to have these conversations at a funeral. Mm-hmm. You want to have these conversations before that happens. So I can't think of a downside. Your kids get pissed off. You talked about alcohol. Your kids get mad that you judge them or you talked condescending to them. That's better than dying, right? That's my approach. So, um, And I, we were having talks like this before Seth died, I think. I always felt very comfortable. And I had, I had many talks with Seth. It wasn't like we neglected him. So, well, I... I think I'm talked out for today. Um, I do want to hear Roman's song. Mm. And I will tell anybody watching this that this is what I wanted to accomplish, accomplish today. This is the first you know, podcast that I've ever done. And I wanted to be with, with you guys. Um, it was very important for me to do this today. Um, and now going forward... My podcast will be different types of people. We have, oh, I have some good shows lined up. Um, the one that's kind of getting really popular is my ghost show. My brother Scott is a ghost hunter officially, and he owns a company in town that does paranormal investigations. So we're going to talk about the afterlife and all that stuff. So part of living undeterred concept isn't just every day revisiting, you know, the the grief that we went through because after a while that people would get kind of immune to that. It's like. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about things that you can do in your life that live undeterred. And undeterred to me is resiliency and fighting and and always breaking down barriers and always learning. The minute that you think you know something is the minute you really die intellectually. So I'm always challenging myself on everything from, you know, the afterlife to to current uh, living strategies to philosophy, things like that as part of learning. So, well... um, do you guys have anything you want to add to anybody? Do you have any any final words of wisdom that you could add in? No, I'm good. You're always good. <laughs> Roman, you're you're probably good for a few tidbits of, of wisdom. What would you say to your, your peer group or parents that are listening right now to wrap all this up? Before you get into your song. Um... Live life with meaning. Don't just do things because you need to do them. Um, whether that's doing it with a forced smile on your face or doing it for someone else. Um, one, of the, one of the few things that I really enjoy with mental health and things like that is you have to put your mask on first when you're in a plane that's crashing. Or not crashing, sorry. But when the oxygen mask comes out, you need to save, your, save yourself first right. and then you can save others. Right. Your mental health is more important than other people at the time, but if it consumes you, then you need to get help. Um, 
That's it. That's very insightful because as a parent, we spend so much time saving other people sometimes that we are own we go home, we get drunk, you know, we, mm -hmm. well, I've been dealing with the kids all day or my, my job was tough and you don't, you don't have the, the mental health. So, um, all right. So I think we're done. You guys are rock stars. You're my superheroes. Uh, I, I learned from you guys a lot and I know you guys learn a few things from me occasionally, but, um, a bit, um, for those, for anyone interested, they can go to livingundeterred.com, www.livingundeterred.com. They can order the book. All the proceeds go into our nonprofit. Roman, you're on the board. You're a um, youth ambassador on my board. Ian, you're not really actively involved yet because NCAA rules. I was very hesitant in getting you too involved in things and having you get, you know, ineligible to play college golf at South Dakota. Yeah. But um, again, our Choices Network is wrapping up our first year, and we're really excited about. Uh, getting out to schools and talking, telling this story. So, guys, I appreciate it. Um, we'll wrap this up, and then uh, as we as we end today, uh, Roman will uh, will. Do you have a little background about the the song you wrote, real quick? What's it called again, and kind of what was the motivation behind it? Um, this is another thing that I really keep in the back of my head, mm -hmm. um, and it sort of sort of shows how I live my life. Um, it's called Open Book, and if that doesn't explain itself, uh, some the chorus of the song says that life is an open book. Uh, it's full of blank pages, and you can create your own stories, but it's almost like once you write them down, you can't erase them. You have to work with what you have. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so life doesn't have an eraser? Yeah. You can't go back and reset <laughs> bad moments? Yeah. That's interesting. I had not heard you answer that way. Okay, so guys, thanks again. Um, we'll we'll cut this, and then Roman's gonna jump in and do the song. And uh, again, um, thanks, guys. I I love you both. Thank you.
Mistakes. All we made were the chapters and stories. 